So good morning again, and thank you for joining us. The weather appears to be throwing all of our plans off kilter a little bit this week. And it's not appropriate year, but I hope everyone who is watching or listening to this is safe, secure from the elements. So many things in the world this week, ranging from the sublime subject for today's Valentine's Day, celebration of love. We have President's Day weekend. Reminder of many of our leaders, a second presidential impeachment, fitting reminder of well something else. Experience this week. Ninth diocesan convention and the bishops' insightful remarks around the baptismal covenant. All the and more. This morning, we'll speak out about another event that happened in the life of the National Church. Actually, happened at the Washington Cathedral specifically, and it's and the cathedral's controversial decision to invite Pastor Max Lucado to preach last Sunday. Evangelical pastor, San Antonio-based megachurch. The focus of the controversy was his 2004 article, marriage. That was the focus of the controversy. Actually, what he preached about. Not surprisingly, in his article, he's wholeheartedly against gay marriage, liking it to polygamy, bestiality, and worse. He taken out online, I might add. But the excerpt reads, who's to say can't marry five women, or two men and two women, communal marriage, or a marriage between a daddy and a daughter, or a woman and a giraffe? Don't underestimate the evil bent. Human. Familiar words to members of the LGBT community. We've heard these arguments for decades. And normally it wouldn't necessarily be important enough to comment that we have here this morning. Now, the reason I bring this up, bring up this time, special voice in the matter, a voice that can, can a voice that must this. These words that we hear right speaking in our very own national cathedral. See these pastors, this pastor's words written years ago are to harm. They still are harming members of the LGBT community. Watched a beloved member of express his anguish at the cathedral's decision on his Facebook page. This is real pain. Not imagined, not foreign, not something. Max Lucado speaking at our arms our family, even if he doesn't speak about uncomfortable topics like homosexuality or like marriage. Post traumatic. All members of our community relive the decades of that their church had caused, touched and felt <coughs> betrayal of the Episcopal Church. We thought was a sign free from such bigotry. Peters, you told me that the single proudest moment you remember as a church community was the of Liz Larson and Tammy Tucker some several years back. I believe it was the first same-sex marriage in the city. 
you had seen been prouder. I know this view is some of you told me directly and others are following my appointment. Where if you vocally, proudly, unceasingly, and unequivocally support the LGBT community here at St. Peter, deeply woven into who we say we are. And I believe to us be the other voice, the one that counters the pain, or still being hurt by the words of a church leaders like opposing force that will helps heal those who right now are prayed by our own church. It's St. Peter's unique connection part of who we yourself as that requires out. It's why in this week when so much could be the focus of a homily, it's why I chose this topic. It may be still, as it may make some feel this chilly. Reach out to those you think might be hurting. If you're the one hurting, please, Peggy or me or pretty much any, any other member of the St. Peter. You can listen, commiserate, and help the. Now, the true challenge of this short homily is to connect this diatribe. Scripture, the Feast of Transfiguration. This is the final week of Epiphany. The scriptural pep talk in the locker room, just as we period of Lent. It's literally our last Alleluia in weeks. Now, in the midpoint between Jesus' baptism and the crucifixion and resurrection, events bounce throughout them. Jesus is beloved. First, just by the disciples. We have Jesus' shimmering robe at God's right hand. We have fear, just as they will experience at the open tomb. The transfiguration is further back to Moses' ascent at Mount Sinai, where after waiting six days, he meets Yahweh. Just for six days. Jesus ascended the mountain with Peter, James, and John. Elijah and Moses, the cloud overshadows them. The voice speaks. They descend back from the mountain. Surprisingly, much of the experience in the Jesus was transformed before that. Elijah and Moses, Moses appeared to They become terrified. The cloud envelops them. A voice speaks to them. Some commentaries suggest this mountaintop experience to attain. And heaven will be surrounded by the same. Like Elijah, witnessing a radiant Jesus as the Lamb of God. A warm cloud for comfort. God's voice speaking directly to us. In a way, lives can be characterized as a series of mountaintop experiences. We seem to connect to the divine, followed by regular the balance We might find ourselves reacting in different ways to these mountaintop experiences of the divine, theophanies, if you will. With the divine. I think also, like Peter, it is good for us here. Let's to return. 
And when we were were like the disciples, make them our secrets. The voice, God, makes a bold command in today's reading. The beloved, listen to him. In Mark chapter 1, God speaks directly to Jesus and says, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. This time the disciples are meant to and listen to him. From Jesus. His repeated fiction, which Peter has already tried to ignore. Should they hear his call for his disciples to take up the cross and follow him, even listen to him? I think they should hear both. We should hear both. As we move into Lent, we repeat and read Jesus' passion. We prepare for the darkness of Good Friday and the crucifixion. The temple curtain will be torn in two. We await the miracle of the resurrection. As chapter as those memories may be for us, we walk with Jesus during the Passion. We take up our own cross. The cross, the suffering is good, and the more painful it can be, God wills us to suffer. Taking up the cross isn't also some kind of passive state of being. That is, try to do good and avoid evil that takes us out of humanity. I think taking up the cross is an assertive, vigorous pursuit of personal and social of divine love. Taking up the cross means acting to make what's good and righteous happen in the world in such a way that it exposes the false power of darkness. Taking up the cross changes us, the world. As we enter into Lent, time of reflection and penitence and privation, but it's also used to deepen our commitments to both the personally and discipline. And going back to the subject of hurting LGBT members of our community, especially those damaged by theologies that deny their very existence think a part of taking up the cross at St. Peter's is seeing their pain, affirming it, protecting it. They may not think they over the decades. If they're like me, there's a scared, strange child growing up different that still lives somewhere inside. I could use a hand right now. That child is still there, still hurting, standing before you. That child needs your love, needs your compassion. Help them heal. Amen.